Hello and welcome. I'm Bruce. And I'm Butta. And this is Rolling in the Dark. So here we are. This is our first podcast episode. So welcome all. Um, a little bit about ourselves is I'm Butta. And this is Bruce. I'm Bruce. We met um, when we joined the same roller derby team, um, and we both actually joined right around the same time, so we learned how to derb together. Yeah, I think you were a couple months ahead of me. Yeah. About, yeah. Yeah, but we were in, like, our beginner's program at the same time, and uh, yeah, so we kind of grew up in derby together. Yeah. Um, Mm -hmm. So you may notice our unusual names, and that's because we're using our derby names, uh, because that is how we know each other, and that's how you're going to know us. Yes, government names are a band here. No, they're just wrong. No, we. I literally throw up every single time I hear. Right, it's like a gag bruises. reflex thing. Yeah, no, it just um, can't so, control I mean, it. Yeah, really. I mean, unless you want this to be like a throw up podcast, this is not going to be the thing. Um, but some fun things. We're both young parents to incredible daughters. Yes, we both are married to literal angels. When did we realize that we both liked true crime? I think it was a text message. Was it? I really think it was. I think you asked me if I listened to a recent episode of a podcast that we listened to. Oh, maybe. And we started talking about it. And then I was like, we should just start one. Well, do you remember when we worked at the fair? Yes. And you and Justin gave me a ride to my car. That was a long time ago, but yes. That was when it was, I first like started saying, or I was, I think I brought it up like, oh, I listened to this podcast. I was going to tell you a story. And then you were like, you listened to the... I think it was at the fair. We all were talking about how we all listen to true crime podcasts. Oh. And then we were like, oh, let's make a channel on our yeah. like communication that's app right. that we do. And then it got into it. And that's how we kind of knew. Yeah. Um, I bet you're right. Yeah, I think it was. I'm pretty that's sure. It sounds right. So. Yeah. Yeah. <laughs> and I do want to ask, before we get started on this, do you have any pet peeves that I should know about? My pet peeves are like the sound of people eating. Oh, can't do it. Won't can't do, do it. it. Nasty. Don't like no, it. No, I've never Mouth listened. What podcasts are you listening to where they're eating? Sometimes people will be like, I just need to have like a drink of something or a snack or whatever. And it's like, no. Into the microphone? Yes. Wow. Into the microphone. Ballsy. <laughs> I, don't, I don't care for it. Um, agreed to all of it. Okay, great. All right. So today I'm going to be telling you guys a real doozy of a story. Let me first give some trigger warnings. Uh, There's going to be some conversation of sexual assault and violence. But for the full detailed list of trigger warnings, please check our show notes. I have them all. I checked, I Googled all the possible trigger warnings out there and we're covered. Um, So today we're going to be talking about a really tragic love story and a horrifying example of abuse pushing a person past their limit. This case made waves across the nation, shining a spotlight on some really important issues like the relationships between gender and violence and how sensationalism can really warp the outcome of a case. Uh, But to be clear, nobody in the story deserved to have their lives stolen from them. It is interesting to look back on it now. Um, And you can't help but notice some major biases that played out during the trial. But we're going to peel back some layers, and hopefully you will learn something new about this very notorious story. 
All right. I'm excited to hear it. All um, right. I kind of like, I, I obviously know which case you're going to do before yeah. you even said it. Sure. Um, I will say that I don't know a whole lot about this case. I've heard of it. I'm sure most of you have. Mm-hmm. Um, I've never looked deeply into it. So a lot of this is going to be um, new information for me. So I'm real excited. Awesome. Let's get into it. All right. So it's a humid evening in Daytona, Florida in 1986. All right. 23-year-old Tyria Moore decided to head to the Zodiac Gay Bar. She was new to the area and was almost certainly looking to meet some new people and have a good time. As fate would have it, she did, in fact, end up meeting a certain 30-year-old blonde, going by the name of Lee, who would forever change the course of her life. Only weeks prior, Tyria, who goes by Ty, uh, had left her life in Ohio behind and moved to Daytona to live her life as an open lesbian far away from her conservative hometown. So Ty and Lee hit it off at the bar and instantly coupled up. They were notorious for their nomadic lifestyle. They were surfing friends' couches, staying in motel rooms, and even sleeping in the woods. Uh, At some point, Lee confided in Ty that she had been in and out of jail for theft and robbery, but she had lived a really hard life, and she told Ty that she had been abused and abandoned as a child, and that now she used sex work as a means to make money. Um, They both lived off of Lee's earnings as a sex worker, and eventually their relationship blossomed to the extent that Lee began to refer to Ty as her wife. So, question. Ty didn't have any means of work, wasn't bringing any money. Ty was a motel cleaner. Okay. But she made very little money. She was, like, part-time. So they really relied on Lee, and Lee was a big spoiler, and she really wanted to be the provider. Okay, so um, she was totally okay with being, like, you know, bringing in the bread all day. Totally. That's okay. what she wanted. All right. Yeah. Um, but they, they went through some major rough patches in their relationship. Ty was not comfortable with Lee doing sex work and desperately wanted her to stop. And Lee had been through a lot. And Ty said that she, that Lee had a really short fuse and she would just fly off the handle and even the slightest hint of conflict. But you would think that like, since Ty was not okay with her doing that, you think she'd try to contribute more? You would think. Yeah. You know, instead of just being like, eh, you you go and do your thing and I'm still going to be mad about it, but I'm not going to help you in any way you just keep doing what you're doing because it's bringing money in yeah but, but i'm also, still I'm mad still mad about it still mad in the background <laughs> exactly. here you know it's just all right all right, right. you know we're not mm-hmm. in the greatest relationship right now are we <laughs> but anyways okay so despite the challenges despite everything they stayed together for three years until one fateful night when lee confessed to ty that she had in self-defense murdered a man who tried to rape her okay which I don't you know can't be I, that mad at. I was like, I don't know if you I can't be really mad at that. Mad at that. You know what? It's self-defense, and you got to save yourself. It's rape. It's rape. Rapists deserve to mm-hmm. die, in my opinion. Yeah, I yeah. think people have a right to, you know, protect their body. Yeah, honestly. Yeah, and at the end of the day, if you end up killing someone because you're protecting yourself, right? You know, problem is sense. that in the space of one year, in between like 1989 and 1990, in the woods of Florida police would end up finding the bodies of seven men. Oh. So Aileen Carol Warnos was born on February 29, 1956, in Rochester, Michigan. Aileen and her brother Keith were the children of Diane Warnos and Leo Pittman, who got married at the ages of 14 and 17. 
So Daylene, or Diane first had Keith, and then when she was 16, she had Aileen. Which is wild. Very young yeah. to be married. Very young. And, and having two babies at 16. Yeah, you know, I had my first kid at, I think I was 21, and it was yeah. definitely... It still felt way yeah, too Yeah, it was a lot. And yeah. being, what would you say, 16, she had her second kid? 16, she had her second kid. 15 was first kid? I think... It was 14 or 15. 14 or 15? Key. Okay, yeah, no. I don't even know what I was doing at 14. Oh, my God. It's, like, a freshman. It's real wild You're literally a freshman to, in to high school about. at 14. Yeah. Can you imagine? No, that's, like, almost my niece's age. Yeah. No, it's, it's, it's insane. Wild. You see a 14-year-old and, yeah. like, wow. That just babies having babies. Mar- a married person having babies. So, Aileen's parents' marriage could be summed up in two words. Abuse and jealousy. Leo, Aileen's dad, was bent on controlling Diane and completely for bid her from leaving the home. Leo would go out and work odd jobs, and he was a petty thief, and would soon graduate to more serious crimes. When he was arrested for auto theft, he was given the choice between jail time and enlisting in the army. He went for army, and when he left for basic training, Diane was already pregnant with Aileen, and she went ahead and filed for divorce. Oh. So when Aileen was two, her mom abandoned Aileen and her brother Keith, and left them with her friends. Now, keep in mind, this woman was 18 at the time and had two kids. She was just tied down and ready to, like, get the hell out of there. Which makes sense. Right. But also deeply irresponsible. Uh, Eventually, Diane's parents, Lori and Britta Warnos, adopted Aileen and Keith and thereafter rarely spoke of Diane, who is now considered the shame of the family. So Aileen and her brother Keith are now living with their grandparents. And Uh, they're upset. The grandparents are upset. are... They consider their mother to be, like, the shame of the family. Are they, like, taking it out on the children? Or, like, did they take the children because they were so ashamed? They were like, I'm going to take them and I'm going to raise them. I think it was both of that. I think that they felt a responsibility to take care of the kids. Not that they necessarily wanted to. But they were just deeply ashamed of their daughter more than anything for, you know, giving up on her family, getting married and having kids at this young age and abandoning them. Okay. As you do. So Aileen never met her father because remember he went off to the army before she was even born and their mom filed for a divorce. But it's kind of a good thing because he was eventually convicted for kidnapping and raping a seven-year-old. Um, a seven-year-old? A seven-year-old. He got busted, went to jail, and he later committed suicide in prison. Wait, how did, how did they find out? Like, did the seven-year-old come forward or was it... I'm guessing. He didn't kill the seven-year-old. I actually don't Uh, know. Okay. You don't know. Okay. That's fine. uh, It's just a shocking story. It is. And the grown man with a seven-year-old. Yes. No. Horrifying. But you can say that Aileen at least dodged one bullet in her life. Yeah. A big bullet. Big fat one right there. So Aileen's life with her grandparents was a total nightmare. Her grandfather, Lori, was a hard drinker, and he was hell-bent on controlling the whole household. Lori made Aileen the focus of his rage. Um, she suffered frequent beatings from her grandfather. Even something as small as forgetting to call him sir resulted in lashes with a belt. So Aileen would also claim, but later deny, that her grandfather sexually abused her. So we, we just are never going to know the full story on that. Aileen was close with her grandmother, Britta, who was a very heavy drinker, but a really loving presence in Aileen's life. Britta? Britta. Like the filter. I like it. (laughs) As she grew into a teenager, Aileen was a complete outcast amongst her peers. 
She very early on traded sex for change in cigarettes when she was like 12. All right. And she frequently went out with kids from school and from the neighborhood to drink and do drugs um, and party. So just from the get, it was just... Just kind not, of going... Yeah, hitting not the good. road, running. Yeah. yeah. Aileen said that there were several times when she drank too much to near blackout and was raped and even gang raped at the age of 13. Several occasions oh, that this geez. happened. And she would later see these kids that gang raped her like at the school or in the neighborhoods around. Like she remembered... That's wild. Yeah. And this is one thing with her. She remembered everything. When she was later on in life, she would tell very detailed accounts of all this. Wow. So it really stuck with I her. I can barely remember what I had for breakfast. I mean, when stuff like that happens to you traumatically, trauma. you you can't just, you know, pile that in the back of your head. I mean, you right. can to an extent, but. But it's like your not only does your brain remember, your body remembers. Yeah, exactly. Uh, and it's trauma. I'm sure certain smells, certain things trigger her exactly. all the time. Exactly. Or did all the time. Absolutely. Um, so at the age of 14 now, Aileen drank to a near blackout with a man in his 60s who was friends with her grandfather. He raped her thinking that she was blacked out, not going to remember it. And Aileen unfortunately became pregnant. Uh, upon finding out that she was pregnant, her grandfather, her grandfather kicked her out of the family home and forced her to give birth in a home for unwed mothers in Detroit. And she was never able to hold her baby before he was put up for adoption. Now, following the birth of her child, uh, she was now 15 by then. Nine, men, nine months went by. Uh, and Aileen was eventually allowed back into her grandparents' home. She was resigned to a life without love, and she initially complied with her grandparents' rules, but it just wouldn't last. I'm, like, traumatized listening to the story. I know. It's why, And we're not even the, in the... We're not even in the story yet. Well, I mean, this is the part... It really explains a lot oh of my how gosh. she was I'm as like an adult. I'm, like, sweating. She went through more before the age of 15 than the vast majority of people go through in their whole life, yeah. as far as trauma goes. I mean, at 15, she, yeah, she 15 had, years old. What she are, had no one in her corner. That's so, oh my God, that's so. It's really. It's real. Wow. It's up. Yeah. Yeah. Every way possible. Like she had no chance out of anything. It seemed no, like. Nothing. Yeah. It's, yeah. It's real sad. And it just gets better. Oh, great. So uh, she's back in her grandpa, grandparents' house. Okay. She returns to high school. But okay, she, good. We're back in high school. She dropped yeah. out almost okay. immediately. So, okay, never mind. Uh, her neighbor once said about her that, quote, she was unloved, unwanted, and always in the way. And I think it gave her one hell of a chip on her shoulder. This is making me so sad. Soon after she had moved back home, her grandma, who she adored and loved, was her one person. Britta. Uh, Britta passed away, which uh -huh. left her grandpa completely crushed. And he blamed Eileen for her grandmother's death completely and once again kicked her out of the house. I'm sorry, that dick move. I mean, he was kind of a dick. It's a dick move. That guy is a dick. It's very um, on character. Yeah. Well, yeah. You know, it makes know. sense. Exactly. But. So now she was completely unwanted and alone and she took to the woods. She would have to wash herself in the lake or gas stations. Um, when she went to school, she would like get herself washed at the gas station and then walk to school and try you to know just what? like Props get her hair for brushed her to trying to go to school yeah and trying to do the right thing and be like you know what listen i'm gonna i'm living here but i'm gonna go to the i'm gonna go to school she really was pretty resilient yeah you have to give it to her that's that you know there's some there it's yeah. there 
But uh, this is when she started taking to sex work and hitchhiking as a means to make money. Um, she needed money to survive, and sometimes the guys would let her stay in the motel room they had rented for the night and would even, you know, order her Which pizza, is like, you know, huge. a roof over her head. Exactly. A safe bed to sleep in. Yes. You know, it makes Food, sense. TV. Yeah. You know, a shower. Warm blankets. Soap. Yes. Soap. I mean, yeah. So she continued doing this until she was 19 years old, uh, at which point her only brother, Keith, died of cancer without much warning either. Uh, and this was the final straw for her. Aileen was done. Was she, she was close to her brother though? She, for they the most were part. not that close, but she loved her brother very okay. deeply. Um, when they were together, cause he moved across the country. So they kind of fell off, but she went to visit him when she heard that he was sick and she went and saw me. Well, which is huge sweet. You tumor. know, she had a sense of family and like. Right. That was needing his, to be there for her family. And remember, this was the he had gone through everything with her. He yeah. had been abandoned with her. He had gone through the parents' house and the abuse with her. Okay. Um, you know, so he was the only person that probably understood her. Yeah, which makes sense. And yeah. it's nice to know that she had a sense of family and being there for her family when most needed. So absolutely, you know, it's good. Like, yeah, there's some good in there. The problem is that every person that she gets attached to in her family dies. Yeah, and he. Um, got cancer, passed away. Uh, and this was the final straw for her. She was completely done. She tried to shoot herself in the stomach and over and over she tried to commit suicide. By the age of 23, she tried to commit suicide six times. Jeez. Um, and still at this point in her life, no adult had stepped in to help her. I think it's safe to say that almost certainly if anybody had bothered to pop into her life and help and support her when she was a teenager it could have changed everything her her future could have been avoided entirely yeah she could have lived a normal life yeah we just needed someone to you know step up step it up just just a little bit right because all she was really looking for was to be loved and wanted and never got any of that through any course of anything she did exactly that is yeah no it's uh, it's it's awful yeah (laughs) and this case is barely starting i know so my gosh so now we're in 1974 aileen warno starts starts coming to the attention of law enforcement uh she's operating under aliases and she's starting to face charges including disorderly conduct driving under the influence and a very noticeable incident of discharging a 22 caliber firearm from a moving vehicle which would be a glimpse into her future She was still drinking like crazy, doing drugs that had never stopped from being 12 and going through all that into her 20s. Yeah. She was still drinking like crazy. Um, Warnos was in trouble two years later yet again. Uh, In Michigan, she was facing charges such as simple assault, disturbing the peace, and she concurrently faced warrants related to consuming alcohol while operating a vehicle and driving without a license. Then in... Uh, a few years later, in 1981, she was arrested for the armed robbery of a convenience store in Edgewater, Florida. Subsequently, she served a one-year sentence in Florida prison. However, her criminal activities did resume when she was once again arrested for passing forged checks right after she got out of jail. The next few years, she would commit uh, quite a few offenses, including stealing cars, grand theft auto, illegal weapons possession, weapons theft, and multiple instances of assault and battery, which all contributed to a very hefty police record throughout the 80s. 
Um, she was a rough lady. Yeah, Not sounds like it. So at the age of 20, Aileen met Louis Fell, a 69-year-old, while hitchhiking and doing sex work. She wanted, or he wanted to help her out and invited her back to his place for lies. her to stay until she got into her feet. Lies. Well, Very much lies. I can eh? feel it. 69, don't trust him. Well, that's what <laughs> but, the number. But they fell for each other. And he wanted, oh. he wanted to help her and feed her. Oh, so he was genuine. Her, her, his feet. He was trying to be like... Let me be your savior. Your knight in shining your armor. Let me, armor. yeah, let me take you I'm off the streets. Like this rich guy, you're like the sex worker I just hired, and so essentially, pretty woman. Yeah, exactly. Uh-huh, okay, pretty woman. But yeah. you know, he wants to be in charge. He wants to be able to like Which, call the shots. It's okay. his money. It's his house. Yada, whatever. He's and like, I like own you. A pretty young blonde. Yeah, literally twenty years old. Completely like reliant on him. Um, and he was living the retired dream near Daytona Beach. So this is how she kind of got to Daytona. But this was a fresh start for Aileen, unlike anything she had ever experienced before. The two got married right off the bat, but it very soon became clear that Aileen was not fitting into Lewis's social circles of the other upper-class retirees. So while he was off tending to his yacht club and living the life, Aileen was in the bars, drinking freely, playing pool, and getting herself into fights. After only weeks, their relationship would take a dark turn. Lewis claimed that Aileen physically assaulted him with his own cane. But Aileen flipped the script and said that Lewis had been the one wielding the cane against her. And eventually their marriage ended in annulment. Okay. Which makes sense. Makes sense. Makes so, a lot. Makes a lot of sense. It was just like this quick, maybe a month in her life, that this happened. Um, this all happened in a month span. Yeah, they got married right away, yeah. and after a few weeks, got divorced. Done. So after the divorce, she went back to the tried and true, hitchhiking and sex work, to scrape together some quick cash to survive i mean that's all she knows that's all she knows and men in her eyes were nothing more than a means to an end but accurate at the age of 30 in the spring of 1986 aileen was recovering from a fresh breakup from her first girlfriend aileen wrote this to her friend and just a heads up aileen was no words this wasn't is this ty no no okay this, so her first girlfriend first girlfriend okay. was tony Oh, and okay. she would say she likes to tease later. Yeah, she got a thing. She got a tease. All right, so <laughs> this is from Aileen. She said, "Quote: Tony was my first lesbian encounter, living together after a year. After I bought her all the equipment for a cleaning business, around four grand or so, she up and left me. I was so in love with her, and her ripping her her ripping me off didn't bug me, but I just wanted her back. So it just kind of gives you an idea into her mindset, and especially yeah. with women, um, that she." sort of takes the blame honestly when it comes to relations even when she was getting completely ripped off yeah she's not really she's like it's not your fault she's not it's mine it. i i, I just want saw. you back she's like, like gaslighting herself well and she's <laughs> just obsessed with these girlfriends she's like rip me off i don't care you can do anything to me but i just want you in my life true love uh slash obsession yes so aileen <laughs> was heartbroken and reeling from this breakup when one night she decided to go to the Zodiac Bar in South Daytona. Might sound familiar. Ah, here we're going. Now, It was at Ty. this bar that she would meet Tyria Jolene Moore, a hotel oh. maid. 
and it was a whirlwind romance right from the jump. Aileen was deeply in love, even obsessed, with Tyria. Now, Aileen would do absolutely anything to keep Tyria happy. She would stay up all night doing sex work and then go to the carnival and go partying with Tyria the next day and spend all that money on her. Oh my God, where did she find all this energy? <laughs> I don't know. Just <laughs> to love, do all that, just all that love and obsession. Love makes it you just keeps wild, you I guess. It I don't sure know. Does. I don't even know. Yeah, so with I'm getting tired, just thinking. <laughs> <laughs> we could take a quick nap. Yeah, a quick yeah. nap break. It's like in between. Yeah. <laughs> so with Ty's encouragement, Aileen ramped up her already illegal sex work to keep Tyria in this lifestyle of long stay hotel rooms, partying, and drugs. Years drugs. later, I, Aileen would even gush at her trial, saying that their love was a love beyond words. So did Ty feel the same, or was it more just coming no, from one side really of the relationship? No, it really was not as intense for Ty. Okay. Yeah. Aileen loved her with everything. Yeah. Everything. She gave everything to Ty. And Ty, I think Ty did love her, but maybe in a more normal normal way. Normal, Something that was yeah. a little bit healthier. Yeah. Um, she was not healthy at all, no. it sounds like. No. But also, we just heard how she grew up, so... You know. I don't think she had, she knew what healthy was. Yeah. I, you know, this was, she was just going with her feelings yeah. uh, and feeling them. So now we're into November 30th, 1989. Oh my God, that's my birthday. Really? Well, not 89, but November 30th. Oh. Yeah. Well, unfortunately. That's not good. That's not good. Okay. Sorry. So, well, I was born 93, so it's fine. <laughs> Got a couple years before four, Exactly. Four years before you're, you were born. We should do all of our, like, uh, exactly four years and six months before the birth of Butter. Yes. <laughs> this uh, is what happened. Yeah. So, Warnos is picked up by 51-year-old Richard Mallory. He was the owner of a TV repair business in Palm Harbor, Florida. He had his own dark past, having spent 10 years in a mental institution for sexually assaulting someone in 1957. And according to Aileen, the two of them enjoyed some pleasant conversation and stopped for a six-pack as they headed to Daytona Beach in Mallory's 1977 Cadillac. At some point, Aileen told him that she was a sex worker and asked Richard if he could help her, help her make a little money. After discussing price, Richard and Aileen drove to a secluded, wooded area. Now, what happens next is up for debate. We will never know the truth of what really happened between Aileen Warnos and Richard Mallory. Oh. She would claim that he tied her up and raped her and that she shot at him in self-defense. Although she recanted and reaffirmed her self-defense plea several times, his past of sexual assault has left some major doubts about the motive behind her first murder. So okay. Aileen shot Richard four times, killing him. Okay. Which is, like, I feel like a reasonable amount of times. It's not, like, overkill. Right. It's, like, you know, especially if you haven't, like, worked a gun. Exactly. Or shot someone. Right. Like, you just you wouldn't know. You would just kind of shoot to get them they, off until they move. Yeah. So, far, it doesn't seem like an overkill. Right. Especially if she's being attacked. Exactly. And uh, when they found his body, they saw that he was shot in the front. Which means he wasn't running away. We know that. Okay. Basically. He was probably, he could have been coming at her. Yeah. Um, after stealing his ID and his cash, she covered his body with a discarded piece of carpet 
and then drove his car home and told Ty that she had made a lot of money on the road and that some guy had loaned her his car. So now Aileen Warnos, armed with cash and a free set of wheels, decided she had finally struck gold. But why'd she lie? Because she knows that murder is wrong. Yeah, murder is wrong, but if you did it in self-defense... Well, because, you know, it's more conflict, you know? Mm-hmm. she probably. But it's to her lover, you would think, I know, you know... she I wanted would... to be daddy. She wanted Ty to, like, not have to worry about a thing, not have to lift a finger, let Which, me take care of you. you I know, makes sense, but let at the end of the dinner. day... I got all this cash. You know, if she was like, hey, I just had to murder this guy in self-defense... But hey, we got some wheels and we got some, like, you know, I don't know. She was not about to go to the police. Yeah. And Ty may have wanted to do that. Oh, it's very possible, yes. And Aileen may have been a bit controlling, you know, and probably didn't consider, you know, how Ty would feel about all that. So next up on her list of unfortunate Johns was David Spears, a 43-year-old construction worker. On June 1st, Aileen shot not once, but six times into his torso killing him on June 1st, right. 1990, in Citrus County, Florida. We're, we're getting into an overkill. <laughs> a little bit. Slowly. This was six, Two shots more. This was six months later, and she never said that he... Oh, no, actually, she said that... Never mind. She so, said that all of them tried so to So was the, fir- the first murder that she did never got investigated? Obviously, she wasn't tied to it in any shape or form, or did they eventually... They did eventually tie her to okay. it. But it took a while? It did take a while. Okay. There were a ton of homicides in Central Florida at this time. Well, it's Florida. It's Florida, and they had some major drug issues going on, especially in the late 80s, early 90s. Yeah. Um, That was like the Reagan years, the war on drugs. I was like, isn't it like the era of cocaine and all that? Well, it's the 70s, but. Well, but also into the 80s. Into the 80s, I feel like it was a And Florida, you know, coming from like Cuba, South America, that was a the big transport are. spot, you know, so the cartel yeah, was which makes active. Sense. Yeah. I don't know that they ever thought that this was a drug-related killing. Uh, I listened to the detective who worked on this case, and he said usually that drug killings involve, like, mutilation, you know, uh, limbs being removed, stuff like that. Well, to yeah, really torture usually people. with, like, drug killings, they want to make a scene about it. They right. want to, you know. They want to set an example. They want to be like, listen, we're going to cut all this stuff off. If you don't pay up. If you don't do whatever we say we're, you're, you need to do. So exactly. usually they're pretty dramatic about their killings. Right. Not so much shoot a guy. Yeah, just shoot a guy six times with in the carpet. stomach and call and it a day and walk away. Take their car you know? yeah. yeah. Usually they have to make some type of, you know, even if like it's just a finger, you know. Right. Yeah, they want to set an example. <laughs> yeah, exactly. It's more about fear than yeah. That's what all of the cartels and stuff it's all established a fear in everything that's how they have so much power yeah so david spears autopsy report revealed that two shots had been fired into his back meaning that he was most likely trying to escape yeah now five days later on june 6th charles caskadin a 40 year old highway worker and rodeo rider um who was described as the kind of like rodeo like like, he would ride, like, ride like a bulls, rodeo. I think. Yeah, oh, like okay. rodeo. Uh, he was scary. described as the kind of guy who would not hesitate to lend a hand. And he crossed paths with Aileen on his way to pick up his fiance. But before he could make it to her, he picked up Aileen, 
who ended up shooting him nine times in the chest and stomach. Oh, yeah, girl, this is it. Nine is the maximum amount of bullets that can be in a twenty-two gun oh. that she was using. So she emptied the gun on him. The whole, what is it called, round, right? Empty Casing? The Glock? I don't know. Yeah, you know I, don't know I don't know guns. I don't know guns. <laughs> I'm sorry. <laughs> <laughs> this is embarrassing. Should Someone's going to be like, <laughs> Justin, hey, what do Justin, you call the thing that they put the bullets in? The gun? <laughs> uh, so he, people don't think that he was necessarily out picking up sex workers. They think he may have picked her up because she was hitchhiking and looking for a ride. And he was trying to do a nice thing. This was 1990. It was pretty common back then to be okay. hitchhiking. You know, she was a woman, not usually too dangerous. Um, Isn't it normally the men that hitchhiked, though? Or was it, like, an all-genders kind of thing? Everybody hitchhiked. Everybody did? I've heard quite a few stories of women hitchhiking and it not Yeah, that's still just, like, a wild concept to me. I mean, back then, this stuff wasn't happening. I mean, it Mm -hmm. was, but it was more secretive and very closed doors. Nowadays, like, you think about hitchhiking and you're just kind of like, what? I have a friend who he hitchhiked all the way from like here to like I think Oregon or something mm-hmm. what yeah and this was like recent this was like in the oh last like God. three or four years oh wow and when he finally like contacted us when he's in Oregon we were like you hitchhiked the whole way up there how are you still alive who picks up hitchhikers nobody who that's what you would think truckers he did Maybe? he did I think he did ride with some truckers he did ride with some families which is families. wild wild to me that a family would pick them up. But, I you know, mean, there's good people and there's some good naive you people, you know? You don't know. Who you don't know. Get. No, exactly. It could be Jeffrey Dahmer. Yeah. You know? I shouldn't be, say uh, anything, please. though, because my husband is very naive and he would pick up anybody because God bless his heart. He's no. a very he nice man. If he saw someone he would pick them up? Yes. He's almost done it before. Justine. I, yes. I never told you the story. Justine. But Justin, one time, really short tangent. I'm so sorry. But... It was three o'clock in the morning. We were riding through the back roads of this like place. We were coming home from my parents' house. Yeah. Mind you, we had a six-month baby in the back seat. A lady pops out from the side of the road in a nightgown. I mean, she looked distressed. Yeah. Don't get me wrong. And Justin starts pulling over. I'm screaming. And I'm like, what are you doing? And he's like, she might need help. And I was like, okay, that's fine. We're not helping her. We will call the police. And he finally like took off and went. And I was just like, what is wrong with you? That could have been a setup. That could have been, you know. No, you don't. You don't just do it. But, you know, kind man. Love him to death. Love him. He is the best part of me. You know, if everybody was like Justin, the world would be a better place. It would. Promise that. It would. A very good place, but very naive. You know what? That's not a bad thing. You know what? I think in today's world, it's a little. In today's world. It's, it's not good to be naive. No, it is not. You know? You have to be aware of yourself. But he trusts everybody, but... <sighs> have you heard the story of Mary Vincent? No. She was a hitchhiking woman, and yeah. she took a ride. I'll probably cover the story at some point. Yeah. Because it's fascinating. That'd be interesting to but hear. at one point, she needed a ride because she had been in a bad hitchhiking experience and was naked and bloody and in the middle of the night, like, hitchhiking on, like, a random road, trying to, like, survive... And people like Wait, blew right past a, her because they were terrified a, of her. There's a Lifetime movie on this. Probably. Yeah. She's played by um, Leslie Mann, I think. I haven't seen it. I think so. Is it, 
I think. This is one of Justin's favorite Lifetime movies. I'm it's, pretty sure. Was she a teacher? No. No? Okay, Maybe never mind. Maybe later in life she was. But she had, was, she her, was. was her kid taken with her? No. Okay, we're thinking of a completely Lifetime movie. Okay. okay never I'm mind. curious, though. Now I want to see the yeah, movie you're talking I'm about. pretty sure her name was Mary. Maybe Mary Vincent, but okay. maybe I'm No, Mary Vincent is a hero. And, like... She was a survivor, a, though, right? Unreal. She's a survivor. And she nailed the guy that did it to her. I mean, just, it's... Was it an Asian man? No. Mm, okay. We'll I don't know. We'll get into it some other time. Anytime. All yeah, right. another time. Okay. So, back to Aileen. Back to her. Yes. So, on July 4th, a car crashed in some brush in front of uh, Rhonda Bailey, who was a resident sitting on her porch at the time, and she watched the accident happen. She said she saw two women clambering out of the car, throwing beer cans into the woods, and swearing at each other. The two women tried to get back in the car, but it did not make it far. Sounds um, like a normal night busted. with me and my friends. <laughs> busted just, car. Just kidding. Getting out, throwing beers, yes. swearing at each other, getting back in, yes. trying to drive a busted car. The best nights of my life. Yeah. Uh, the car did not make it far. It was totaled, um, and the police found the car on the side of the road. There were apparent bloodstains throughout the interior, and the license plate was missing. A computer search on the car identified that it belonged to Peter Seams, who had just disappeared on June 7th on his way to visit relatives in Arkansas. Peter Seams was 65 years old and found dead in June of 1990. Now, on July 30th, Troy Buress left on a delivery route and never returned. Five days later, sheriff's deputies found his truck unlocked and the keys missing, and so was Buress. He was found five days later by a family out for a picnic. But the heat and humidity had quickened the decomposition, and so much so that his wife uh, was only able to identify him from his wedding ring. He had been killed with two shots from a 22 caliber gun, one to the chest and one to the back. She identified him with his wedding ring. With his wedding ring. Are we sure it's him? Yeah. Anybody can put on a wedding ring. Just it must, maybe it was inscribed or something. Maybe, I don't know. I'm guessing it was very unique. And I mean, I would recognize Blue's wedding, but it's an engagement ring. So. I mean. Would I recognize their wedding wedding ring? Would I recognize Justin's wedding ring? Probably not. Not with, like, I could be like, it looked exactly like this. It was that size, but yeah. there it's also just like a plain band. So. Justin wears a rubber ring, so did not want a real ring. Okay. So, you know. Interesting. You know what? Those don't slip off. No, it's no. Easily. He wears his all the time. It's That's just um, he has like a pack of like nine of them because <laughs> he got off Amazon. <laughs> so, <laughs> you know, <laughs> to know what all nine of those look well, like, I don't not? know. You know? <laughs> Could have been one of the nine. It could have been one of any of those, honestly. So, (laughs) sorry. Just a side note. That's hilarious. (laughs) Uh, All right. So, now we're into September. Dick Humphreys now never made it back home from his last day of work at the Sumterville office of Florida's Department of Health and Rehabilitative Services. He was a protective investigator specializing in abused and injured children. Okay. He was 56 years old. And just the day before he went missing, he had celebrated his 35th wedding anniversary. His body was found the next day. Oh. And he... <laughs> <laughs> not Mazel Tov. Not Mazel Tov. Oh, my God. That's not, not very Mazel Tov of them. No. <laughs> nope. He had been shot seven times. Jeez. 
now about a month later you would think by now that she'd figure out she'd slow down a little bit or not even just figure out where to shoot correctly so she wouldn't have to like no i think that i think she just flew off the handle and just you think most of this was like temper tantrums rage temper or like she built herself up and she was extremely sloppy you would you would think after doing it so many times as if you mentioned yeah that at least she would tone it down with the gunshots. No. But, you know, this in a bit of rage, you see red. Exactly. I get it. Exactly. Uh, so about a month later, after uh, Dick Humphreys went missing and was found, the nude body of Walter Gino Antonio was found on a logging road in Dixie County. How many times was he shot? Four times <laughs> with the same gun. Inconsistent. Wow, she real sloppy. She was. I mean, thank God she was, because, like... Yeah. And, but when we wouldn't he have figured found, out because most of these men that she's getting at are random. There's no connection, no ties, no totally nothing. Totally random. It's just yeah. men just, who happen to pick her but up. But again, it fits an mo in a certain way for her. But at the same time, I don't the know. Mo is she's men hitchhiking, and it's men that are picking her up. That are nice. Justin would be dead to give her a ride or for sex work. Yeah. You know, and I don't know how she picked her victims. Maybe she decided before going into the car this was going to be the one. Maybe something like a flip. Was switched. it was it like every person that decided to pick her up, or was it just something no. triggered her while she was in the car with certain these men, and then red? We don't know. Yeah, we don't know. I wonder. Sometimes I would thing. love to know what goes on in their mind. I may. I mean, maybe she did say something. She did have quite a few statements later on, so I could have missed it for sure in my yeah. research. Um. But as far as I could see, it seemed random. It would be she interesting re- to see what triggered, like maybe if there's like a pattern of yeah. what these men did or whatever, because it's. Yeah, I mean, my honestly, probably my best guess would be that it was when she was running low on money and mm-hmm. she needed to pawn some stuff. And she maybe got into a car with a guy, saw that he had some cash, saw that he had a nice looking wedding ring, watch, who knows. And was like, OK, you're maybe just target. scoping them out first and being like, mm, you got some monies. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. Which money is normally a big motivator for a lot of murders. Yeah, absolutely. Um, now, with him, he had been found after being killed within 24 hours. And his car was found five days later fully across the state. Uh, investigators suspected the killers to be women, and specifically the two women walking on the side of the road who had crashed the car before, which was seen by that neighbor yes resident yes the Uh, drunken girls night out mm -hmm. now in late november police ran a story about the killings saying that they were looking for the women and it didn't take long for leads to start pouring in now an interesting thing about this the the neighbor gave like did the sketching the sketch artist said this was the first time she had ever sketched women in her whole career. Oh. Every other sketch. And she well, had done yeah, like it's, tons and tons It's very that. rare for a woman's serial killer. Or serial killer. Yeah. I mean, you don't really hear much about them. Right. Um, like you said, this is like one of the first ones. Mm-hmm. And honestly, probably the only one I've ever heard of. Yeah. I mean, I'm sure there's some somewhere. But. Well, you, you hear about like female serial killers. Usually it's poison, you know, that they use. Oh, it's really? not so violent. Yeah. As like well, you know, if I had her childhood and the way she grew up, I probably would have been violent as well. So absolutely, you know, that's all she learned. She that's had a she lot. Did. She had a lot playing against her. Absolutely, a lot from the get from the jump. Yep. It just 
she was kind of screwed. Yeah, no, there was almost no hope. Yeah. But so tips were starting to come in about the two women. Uh, now, according to Dead Ends by Michael Reynolds, Tyria started getting a little freaked out by Aileen's increasingly erratic behavior. Aileen started bringing home and pawning some very unusual things. We're talking electric razors, toolboxes, briefcase, briefcases, guns, fishing gear, just watches, random things just that a few she, things. yeah. Uh, and Tyria could not help but wonder where it was all coming from. Things took. I mean, I would question a few things too. What did you? I would. I would be like, you were, um, you just you finding these. You just finding these things on the where side did of the you road. Get this gun, like. <laughs> You're just out street walking and you just came upon this like Rolex. Yes, and I gun. took it and yeah, wouldn't you? It's like picking up a $20 bill off the ground. <laughs> like, I mean, she's getting real lucky. You're picking up a whole lot of She's very lucky. A Rolex? Mm-hmm. <laughs> like, Damn. Yeah. So things started taking a scary turn for Tyria when the couple crashed a stolen Pontiac Sunbird on some desolate road in Florida. Warnos, when they crashed, was in a full panic, and she frantically yelled they were driving a murdered man's car. Now the writing was, in the, was on the wall, and it was just a matter of time before the law came crashing, on, crashing down on Aileen, and Tyria was not about to go down as an accessory to murder. She wanted no Well, she it. wasn't, because she had no idea any of this was going on for the most part. She's kind of piecing things together, no? Maybe. Oh, Possibly. Didn't like that look. <laughs> according to her, and also according to Aileen, she didn't have anything to do with I would, these murders. I mean, it didn't seem like she was afraid to tell her the first time, you know? If right. You, you know, I don't... Just, so, you, know. you know, who knows? I mean, Aileen knew what to say and what not to say in front of cops. So, mm-hmm. a lot of this... Well, yeah, she she's dealt with a lot of... Tyria. Um, well, so yeah, she loved and obsessed with her. She would literally do anything Anything. So finally, in November of 1990, after four years together, Tyria told Aileen that she was leaving her and Florida to go back to her family in Ohio. And now, while all of of Aileen's relationships (laughs) with men were marked by abuse, her relationships with women had all ended in abandonment. She's just not winning with men or women anywhere. Nobody. No hope. She had nobody. Meanwhile, the authorities are starting to piece together the seven murders. It became crystal clear that they were dealing with a serial killer, or shockingly, a pair of serial killers, or even more shockingly, a pair of female serial killers. Police sketches of the women dubbed them the Angels of of Death by the media, cool name and it was plastered all over local and national tv that's yeah, a pretty good name i do like it yeah angels yeah. of death angels of death soon after police traced items belonging to murder victim richard mallory to a central florida pawn shop the receipt for the stolen merchandise had warnos's thumbprint still on it and so the circle was closing in and the hunt was officially underway for aileen on January 9th, 1991, Aileen Warnos was arrested at a Port Orange biker bar called The Last Resort. Using an outstanding warrant for an earlier Colorado weapons charge, the police were forced to keep any mention of murder charges under wraps until they could find Tyria Moore. 
You can actually see her arrest by an undercover officer on the show Snapped, which I highly recommend watching. Okay. It's really cool. They, he has, like, the microphone attached to him, so you can hear her talking to him. And he says at one point, because this was over, he got to know her at a bar, at this bar, the last resort, over a couple of days. And he said on the first, like, day or whatever, they were playing pool together. And when he was going to take a shot, out of nowhere, she, like, smacked him with her pool stick and knocked him down. And he was like, what the fuck? Why did you do that? Yeah. And she was just like, I don't know, honey. Sometimes it just comes over me. (laughs) You were her next victim. Right? Clearly. Yeah. (laughs) But it's it's pretty interesting. I highly recommend it. She sounds like an interesting person for sure. Yes. Yes. So investigators from Florida eventually located Tyria in Scranton, Pennsylvania. Once the officers assured her... (laughs) Sorry. I knew you were going to do it. I I was waiting. It it needed to be there. Yeah. So the officers assured Tyria that she was not under arrest, and Tyria quickly caved and told them that Aileen had confessed to her killing Richard Mallory. She explained that she didn't believe Aileen, but the incident with the wrecked stolen car made her rethink what might have happened she claimed that the reason she didn't alert the police was that she feared for her life now back in florida investigators convinced tyria moore to help them get a confession from warnos tyria would write a letter to aileen because aileen's in jail for this outstanding warrant so tyria would write a letter to her requesting that she call her at a nearby motel on january 14th 1991 aileen called tyria from jail the police tapped the phone and were coaching Tyria. And after 11, 11 phone calls over three days, Tyria was finally able Ooh. to convince Warnos that in order to protect Ty, she had to confess to the killing. Wow, she manipulated her. Big time. I mean, in a sense, in a good way, because she needed to you confess. But you can listen to the confession, too. Oh. You can Google the it's alien It's probably very heartbreaking. Confession. It is. She probably felt so betrayed. I, I Couldn't cried. even imagine. I cried watching it. It's, it's so sad because on the phone call, you know, Aileen eventually says, I will confess for you because I love you. And I, you're not going to jail. You're not going to go to jail because of me. I will confess. Wow. And she's like, and I just, I love you, Ty. I love you. I love you. I love you. And she just says, and Ty's like, just confess already. Like, just tell them. And then that's it. Never I love the you back. The ultimate betrayal. Yeah. I would be so mad. But this is the thing with her. She, I don't think she's ever mad at Ty. Because she's so obsessed and so in love. Ugh. That people can walk all over her. And she, I, I think she sees herself as a doormat. And she's like, I don't care. Well, yeah. I just love you. And that's still, all I'm going like, that's the best I'm going to get is being a doormat. And that's all that I will expect. You know no. what I mean? Yeah. It makes sense. It's just to think your, you know, partner. Yeah. Turns you in. Of like four years. Yeah. I mean, even. Is the one to. That's what took you, that's what she took could you literally down. just keep her mouth shut and not get in trouble. Yeah. She could have just kept her mouth she shut. She could have just been like, do you guys think she did it? You find out on your own. I'm not going to be policy. any part of it. I'm not saying nothing without Well, I mean, there's a law now, I think, against, but you have to be married. I think there's a law against spouses. Um, is that true, though? I believe it is. I'm not sure. Maybe it's here in California, but I'm not 100% sure. But I've heard of it in a case in cases before hmm. where spouses can't be like called up for trial hmm. and stuff. 
Interesting. What about domestic abuse? I think that's different. Okay. I think like it's more just like based on like murders. Yeah. Murdery things. I'm not a hundred percent sure. I'll look into it, but yeah, I mean if anybody knows, you can let us know if it's like a state thing or if it's like a Right, a federal thing. Yeah, or not what? sure what it is, but is I'm, it pretty sure, I'm pretty sure. I'm pretty sure I've heard of it. It's a this household. Yeah, thing. it you know. it it's my household thing. <laughs> That's right. If doesn't <laughs> ever. Them's the rules. Ever just get, I'm not gonna kill anyone, but but you also, know, you know, snitches if, get stitches. Exactly, and he would get all the stitches. <laughs> so. The stitches. <laughs> <laughs> uh, so in January, on January 16th, 1991, Aileen Warnos, true to her word to Tyria Moore, met with the police officer. Police officer. 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 Uh, met with police in an interrogation room at the Marion County Jail. She took a seat across from the officers, and she just came out and said, "Well." I came here to confess a murder. She's like, well, cat's out of the bag now. Right. I'll do it. I'll just do it. <laughs> My lover told you everything. <laughs> yep. Well, as much as she knew, Tyree didn't yeah. really know that much. Well, yeah, because she kept it hush hush. Yeah. Which now I, I understand. Yeah. She yeah. betrayed her. She did. Of Tyria, Aileen said, I don't want her to get messed up for something I did. I know I'm going to miss her for the rest of my life. Wow, and she's like, still love you, boo. She loves her forever. So throughout her trial, Aileen Warnos declared that each murder was an act of self-defense, maintaining that all of the victims had solicited her for sex and then tried to rape her. I mean, that kind of comes down to like almost like a double standard, you feel, you know? Right. I mean, if a woman came out to you and was like, I've been raped and I killed them. Ultimately... Yeah. Normal way of thinking. You'd be like, yeah, that makes sense. You know, obviously we know through science and stuff, like men are built differently than women. It's very easy for a man to overpower a woman. Sure. You know, it's just, you never know. It happened this time. And then six months later, it happened again. And then a week later, it happened again. Yeah. But also too, like. And then he ran away and I kept shooting at him. Yeah. And I took all of his stuff and his car. And then it happened again. And then it happened again. And then it happened again. Again. It does. And yeah, then one more no. Time, it, it also happened again, and this was all in one year. Yeah, the fact that this was in a year span, but also too, you had to look at her ways of looking for money and security. She's already putting herself in these type of situations. But she it, had been for like eighteen years. Sorry, that's my dog. <laughs> for like eighteen years before she ever killed anyone she has been doing sex work yeah for a long time you know it makes sense it does it does it's just in a way it's kind of easier to fall on her side just based off common knowledge yeah you know i I, my belief and i think kind of the most common belief is that most likely richard mallory the first guy did do that he did try to rape her and he tried to he maybe even tried to kill her yeah we don't know she said that he she was tied up and everything so uh, but my guess is that the next six guys probably was probably not. were not trying to hurt yeah. her. But she saw the opportunity to maybe get some. Well, maybe she's just like, you know, wow, this worked life. the first time. And for the first time, I got wheels. I've got cash. I've yeah. got stuff to pawn. Like she probably made more in that it one night sense. than she had her entire life. Yeah. Um, just playing the devil's advocate a little bit. It makes yeah. a little sense why she would go with that defense. Absolutely. Any lawyer would, yeah. would, put, would say, say this. Easily. Absolutely. 
in this sense. kind of case. Yeah. You're a woman in this situation. You, that's 100% yeah. where you're going to go. And women are always portrayed as the damsel in, the spr- in distress. Right. You know, we're helpless. We exactly. can't, you know. Didn't so, work. We're so fragile. Uh, yeah. Spoiler you know? alert. Yeah. Did not work. Yeah. <laughs> so throughout her trial, Aileen Warnos declared that each murder. Oh, yeah, I already said this. Sorry. That's okay. Um, the case, as presented by her defense attorneys, painted Warnos as a woman with borderline personality disorder and an IQ of 81. But despite their best efforts, the defense was unable to use Warnos's mental state and intellectual capacity to save her from the death sentence. The prosecution constructed a vivid portrait of a calculating, man-hating killer who, under the guise of being distressed and stranded, lured seven innocent men to their deaths. I don't know how innocent we can really call the men. Well, maybe the first guy. Maybe, but all of them, you know, were picking her up for certain acts could it be or, or you know they were being just a genuinely dude like a genuine dude and just could have been a justin up. you know going and just scooping her up she was hitchhiking just needed that a is, ride that is true we and won't that's really how know she started really all of her happens. sex work was just being a hitchhiker so did she like hitchhike like get picked up and then kind of fill out the situation and be like oh you that's want what it sounded like you want the fun time right yeah like, by the way you know if you want a handy I'll do i can i can do it real quick yeah whatever like Okay. Exactly. All right. Um, Again, we still don't know how innocent these men were. We'll never know. Not trying to, you You know, know, feed into her side. A number of these men seemed like from their families, from their communities, that they were really good They were all genuine. I mean, one guy was like an investigator for abused kids. That is true. But, you know, there's things that have come out about people who are involved you, with, yeah. you know, sex trafficking and all you that stuff know. that you have no idea. I'm going to trust. I mean, these guys were victimized. Their lives were taken. Yeah. I'm going to just. Sorry, I'm really playing the devil's advocate <laughs> over here. <laughs> okay. I just, you I, know, I, even, I see from her side, but yeah. I see from Even worst case scenario, side, if she has a gun, she doesn't have to kill them. If no. she's a, like in a. You in injure danger, them and you run. You shoot yeah. them in the penis and you go for it. You in run. The penis. All right. And they can survive. And I mean, they could, but there goes their manhood. I mean, but if you're going to rape somebody, I feel like. Yeah. No. Eh, I mean. Eye for an eye. Kind of. Kind of. Uh, you know, vigilante <laughs> justice. Not that it's the right thing to do. No, but none if you of need this. To get yourself out of a pinch. I feel none like of it this is, is justified. In some yeah. Way. None of this. I'm, I'm just want to be clear. I'm not like, yeah, <laughs> kill the men. <laughs> I just, I'm trying to see it from. Yes. You know, from both the sides. other side. Totally. And it makes sense. I'm not saying that she's innocent. She's not. Because she's not, clearly. She she openly admits that yeah, she's not Yeah, she's innocent. not. But at the same time, you know, the situations that she got herself in, you never know what happened. And we're the only people who are going to know is her and the right. person. Yeah. And obviously, there's only one side. There's two sides of every story. Right. You don't really know. And she would go back and forth on the stories. Yeah. You know, and she... It makes sense. I, I'm just saying, which yeah. I'm just trying to see both sides totally. here, but I do not condone it. At the end of the day, no one deserves to die. No one deserves to, you know. Right. Be murdered. Or for anything, yeah. for any reason. I mean, injured maybe a little, but <laughs> <laughs> but like at the end of the day. Shot in the dick, maybe a little. Yeah, just a little. A little. You know, it's just okay. It's all right. Just I'm going to hit you. <laughs> Oh, God. Okay. All right. All right. Back to the courtroom. Let's get back into it. (laughs) So, Warnos 
was completely erratic and volatile throughout the trial, which totally sabotaged her defense. <laughs> but she pleaded guilty to uh, three of the crimes and no contest to four others, which you would think would lessen the sentence a little bit. You know, why else yeah. would you plead guilty if not to, like, make a deal? You know, otherwise yeah. you would just go through 95% the 95% of the time when someone You is... want to avoid... They want to plead guilty to avoid the death penalty. Yeah. Right? Well, yeah. Um, and she was hoping to maybe be saved from the death chamber at the time. But she received a total of six death sentences. Okay. After pleading so guilty we kill her six and times. no context. Contest. Six death penalties. How... How does one serve that? Do they make it to where it's, it's just okay? It's meant to. It's be just be like, like you took six lives. You're gonna serve gonna six get, lives, right? Because okay. they don't want you know the families of Peter Seams. Maybe if she only gets one death penalty, you know, and they do it for Richard Mallory. But the, there's that only one. Gonna be like, well, what about my? There's only one life. I mean, I get, yeah. I get what you're saying. That makes it's more symbolic. sense. I honestly have never understood They're it. They're not gonna like electrify her six yeah, times, you the, know, until she's like. I, I've never really understood how that works, yeah. but it makes sense. Symbolic. They, so they each life means something. Here's what happens. They reincarnate their dead corpse bodies, and then they kill those. I guess. Yes, they turn so, them into zombies and then shoot them. Yeah. Got right. it. So you're going to die six times. And then we're going to do it again. And we're going to do it all again. All over again. Exactly. Well, and it makes sense. You know, each family needs closure, and yeah. each person who lost somebody needs to feel like they've gotten justice. For, exactly. Okay, that makes more sense. Exactly. I honestly never understood it and never asked. Yeah. But now that we're doing we're this and all this, I feel like this was the appropriate time it's, to ask. It's all about justice, so, baby. Justice system. You know, That's you don't ask. Trying. You don't know. You ask. That's right. Yeah. How are you ever gonna know? How are you gonna know? Oh, we don't yeah. ask. Yep. You just well, put the tip in. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> Still on my mind. So in Aileen Warnos's final days on Florida's death row, she professed her hate for men, the police, and the whole ass legal system. She went between confirming and denying that she killed the victims in self-defense. She said, Ty always knew everything I was doing, and I still miss her, and I still love her, and I'm really sorry over everything I've done. I miss Ty, and I lost Ty. That is all lies. That's all she cares about. Ty didn't know anything, really. Or did she? I really don't think. Who knows? Because remember, the car that they crashed and was later found by the police that they were both in was completely bloodstained. Yeah, I forgot about that. Remember? Yeah. So I mean, it could be that Ty was just drunk and on drugs and belligerent and not paying attention. Didn't remember anything. Didn't remember anything. Or. Maybe she did know a little bit more and was just trying to protect herself. Yeah. Because if she really didn't know anything, then why would Aileen have to confess to protect her? That is true. But then you would think that the police would be like, are they just like, let's just get this confession and it's okay that you were maybe might have been involved in this? It could be. That Mm, could be for sure. Um, Questions, questions. So in her final interview... She stated that the police had allowed her to kill to, quote, turn her into a serial killer and that she was being tortured with sonic waves. In the end, she said that she welcomed death as a conclusion to a torturous life. On October 9th, 2002, Warnos's death sentence was carried out. Strapped to a T-shaped gurney as she awaited execution by lethal injection, this was her final statement. I'd just like to say that I am sailing with the rock, and I'll be back. Like Independence Day with Jesus, June 6th, 
Just like the movie, big mothership and all, I'll be back. The fact that she went through with her lethal injection and didn't try to commit suicide before, mm-hmm. it, it says a lot about her character. Yeah. Um, not saying that, you know, go you it's just more like you know she is taking responsibility for her crimes that she did and she knew you know this is it this is the end the fact that she waited because a lot of cases you hear people who get the lethal injection or Mm -hmm. like are scheduled to get it they end up killing themselves before because they don't want that they or like either that or they crying like i don't want the the death penalty and it's like well you should have thought about that before you did all these horrible things should have yeah i will give it to her that she was like i did them mm-hmm. now god take me and and I'll be whatever back, happens baby. to me like jesus on independence yeah. day i'll be back yeah and that well <laughs> i hope she doesn't come <laughs> back but at the end of the day i do yeah i, I like the that. fact that she was like kill me and i'm gonna let the state or the you know the court whatever whoever kills her kill me yeah that's just mm-hmm. just a fun little thing to know <laughs> well, she's sailing with the rock now yeah. you know and independent day and jesus that's right so <laughs> the first woman profiled as a serial killer by the fbi aileen warnos was a source of constant fascination for the media and until her execution she loudly disapproved of the exploitation of her story as documented by filmmaker nick broomfield tyria moore the arresting police officers, her lawyer, and this woman, Arlene, I think it's Prowl, Prowley? She was a self-proclaimed born-again Christian who adopted Warnos in prison. All of these people had attempted to sell her story to Hollywood or other, otherwise make a quick buck on their association with the case. Which makes sense. Yeah. You know, it's right. a wild case. But Aileen wasn't trying to sell anything. No. She, 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 she always was like, don't talk about me. She was the definition of, like, I don't give a fuck. Exactly. Like, she was like, no. Yeah. You're not going to sell me for money. That's right. I can only do that. Exactly. Sorry. That's kind of fucked up. Oh, my God. All right. So, the year after her death in 2003, Aileen Warnos' story was told in the film Monster. Have you seen it? I don't know. Is it on Netflix? Maybe. I don't think so. Who, who plays her? It's an her? old one. Charlize Theron. Okay. No, I have not Christina seen it. And Christina Ricci plays Tyria. It's oh. good. You should watch okay. it. It's Charlene Theron. Charlize Theron is unrecognizable. Okay. It's wild. You see a picture there's of a, her. So did, did you see that there's a newer one on Netflix? About Aileen? Yes. Um, sh- I don't know how new it is, but it is played by one of the Disney Channel girls. Oh. Um, I don't actually I don't think she's a Disney Channel girl. I don't remember who it's one of the blonde girls. She's either from Disney Channel or she's from. Um, I don't know if you did you watch Shameless? Uh, yeah, I've seen Shameless. One of Carl's girlfriends, the blonde one. OK, OK. Know. Either way, um, there's a Netflix movie on there. That's not the one you're talking about. Uh-huh. I did watch it a little bit. Um, it was more just like background noise. OK. But I'm pretty sure that's about her. I'll look it up later. You can figure it out if you've seen it or if you know who the actress is. But yeah. yeah. But Monster was huge. And actually, Charlize. When did that come out? 2000. uh, She won a 2004 Oscar for it. Okay. So so it it must have been 2004. Uh, But she won the Oscar for Best Actress for that role. It was huge. All right. Um, Definitely something you need to check out then. Yeah. Yeah. So 
I mean, we can sympathize with the fact that Aileen was abused throughout her childhood, teens, and adulthood. Uh, I mean, she never had a break. No, and she went through a a whole life without love. And even when she finally believed that she had found it, she was yet again abandoned and betrayed by her lover. I do believe that Ty ultimately made the right choice because Aileen was not going to stop killing. No. Um, But Tyria is still alive. And she's staying out of the media for now. So we don't know where she is, how she is. I would too. Yeah. I would too. 100%. But that, my friend, is the story of the gunslinging, mullet flinging, damsel of death, Aileen Warnos. So I knew nothing about it. So now I'm very. You feel informed? I'm very intrigued to look yeah. more into it. Yeah. You no, know, and you should definitely like watch the arrest because. Yeah, I'm going to. It's fascinating. You, you can hear from like the undercover officer. He's kind of a cool guy. Um, and you should also listen to the confession. I mean, she, her story is just really heartbreaking yeah. and sad. All it's the sad, way around. but again, 100% you know, feel, feel sorry for the child, not for the adult. Absolutely. You know. She didn't have to kill anybody. She didn't have to do that. And, you know, a lot of people, yeah, I was about to say that, you know, a lot of people and nobody, well, some of them don't end up killing people. Right. But give us a follow on Instagram at rolling in the dark pod or write to us at rolling in the dark pod at Gmail. If you have any case suggestions or if you just want to say hi, we would really love to hear from you all. Our sources for this story are in the show notes. Cheers to our first episode. Cheers. I think it went really well. Yeah. Remember not to pick up hitchhikers. Yes. And and um, don't die. Don't die. Never die. Alive Always forever. alive. <laughs> I like it. And if you have a few extra dollars to spare, definitely consider uh, donating to Coalition for the Homeless.org. Um, these guys are really awesome. They provide food, crisis services, housing, job training youth programs and advocacy for houseless people um so if you're in need or if you can if you're in a place where you can give coalition for the homeless.org do it, do it.